Today on Seahawks Forever, Sanjeet T from the Football Scout YouTube page will be joining me to talk about some of the rookies in the Seahawks draft class this year. Sanjeet scouts the entire league, started out with the Raiders. Now he looks at the whole NFL. So he's not specifically Seahawks, and that's what caught my attention, especially a video breakdown that he did on one particular Seahawks day three draft pick that he really likes. We'll get into that player's ceiling and dive into the one, uh, one of the more intriguing undrafted free agents as well. That's coming up next. Welcome to the Seahawks Forever podcast. In-depth analysis on everything Seahawks. And now here's your host, Dan Viennes. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I am Dan. Before we get started, hit that like button and subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's the best way to support the show, and then you'll never miss out on a new episode or live stream or a fantastic guest like the gentleman who is joining me today from the Football Scout YouTube page, Sanji T. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you for having me, Dan. I really, really appreciate it. Really look forward to this. So I talked a little bit about your background. You started out just focusing on Raiders players and then branched out to the rest of the league. And, and you like doing uh, video breakdowns. What is it? When did your uh, passion for scouting football players begin? Yeah, you know, uh, I, I just turned 30 last month and I think about the same question all the time. You know, uh, I played football about five years. And it's interesting because I remember playing and then saying, oh, I'm going to get into coaching and, uh, you know, life, you know, life goes in different directions. And I think I was maybe 20 through 24 years old. And I said, I want to get back into football. You know, I want to continue to scout. I want to continue to get into it on this side of things. Um, and I just got back into it. You know, I just started watching Raiders tape. I just kind of started doing some Raiders related content and it took off out of nowhere, you know, and I'm at the point where, um, I love the Raiders. Obviously, they're my team, but I also love watching guys like Abraham Lucas dominate. You know, I love <laughs> watching guys like Mike Morris, who goes in the fifth round, but he may have the upside to become the next, you know, wh whoever it is that, you know, you you look at guys like Max Crosby as an example. Fifth round pick. Mm -hmm. No one thought this guy was going to do anything. And he ends up being better than the guy we took with the fourth overall pick, including Barrow yeah. in that same class. To me, being able to watch tape and watch guys really develop over the course of their career is knowledge that I've always wanted to kind of talk. And I think the football scout channel kind of allows me to do that, you know? So um, I'm excited, man. I'm really excited. And the Seahawks have been crushing it as well. So I'm sure we're going to get into all of that. <laughs> we are. And the thing that, that uh, drew me to your channel was you mentioned his name, the Mike Morris breakdown that you did and how yep. high you were on him. And then especially once I saw that the Seahawks were not your focus. Yeah. Um, just Let's just start at the top there. What was it that attracted you to Mike Morris and caught your attention? Yeah, you know, uh, so I, I watched Mike Morris, right? And, and it wasn't that I, I was saying, hey, I'm about to watch Mike Morris. To be honest with you, I was actually watching uh, Mozzie Smith, the, mm -hmm. the guy that the Dallas Cowboys ended up picking in the first right. round. And watching uh, Smith and watching this guy, and Smith's a really good football player. But this other guy off the edge kept sticking out, right? And it was really his tape against Paris Johnson that really did it for me. Mm. And I said, man, I got to watch this guy. Who is this guy? And 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 that's oftentimes how I end up watching, you know, these guys that end up going, you know, undrafted or whatever, right? Guys with upside. Um, that's actually how I came across Abraham Lucas uh, last season, last draft cycle. But 
with Mike Morris, he was watching Smith. And then I Googled this Mike Morris guy and I said, this guy looks pretty good. And then I find out he's a uh, second team uh, All-American. And I said, well, this guy has to, you know, you see his tape against Paris Johnson. You see that this guy's a second team All-American. It all just starts coming together, right? But it's really that wa- watching this tape and, and and seeing that he's sticking out. He's beating up on some of the best tackles in, in college, right? And well, I'm sure we're going to get into it fully, but, you know, this guy ended up going in the fifth round. And oftentimes you look at fifth round picks, they don't work out, right? They're yeah. out of the league in three years, right? Right. I don't think that's going to be the case with Mike Morris. I think Mike Morris is going to have a really long NFL career. Uh, and it's clear, right? It's really, really clear, clear on tape. The guy is productive, right? And when I say productive, you watch a guy's hands, right? You, you, you can go back to Max Crosby, right? And I'll use Max Crosby as an example. You go back to college and you watch Max Crosby and you'll notice his hands, right? Great double hand swipe, had the spin move, could swim over a guy. He had all the the, the little things you want to see. And you can see that Mike Morris has a lot of those same skill sets, not to as good as where Max Crosby was, but in his own sense, right? The guy has some upside. And I think it's very clear on tape. It's interesting. Um, we didn't talk about this off camera. Um, but Max Crosby was absolutely one of my favorite draft prospects that year. I wanted so badly for the Seahawks to take him, uh, you know, and the Raiders are smart enough to do that. Mike Morris was a guy that I was on early in the draft process because I was specifically looking for guys that I thought we just didn't have on the roster, which is more of that body type that can play three, four defensive end. We just didn't have those types. Um, Mike Morris, six, five, six, six. Two, well, now he's up to 295. Wouldn't surprise me if he gets to 300. He carries that weight really naturally, seeing him at, at OTAs and minicamp. Um, it's amazing to think he's only 290. The knock on him, I don't know if it's a knock, but a lot of the scouting reports would say he, he, he lacks some tools in his tool belt when it comes to the pass rush. He only has a bull rush and a power rush. And you certainly see that on tape. Guy's motor really stands yeah. out. But you disagree, and you you touched on it with the hands, but you think there's more to him as a pass rusher than a lot of other people do. Absolutely. Um, first, I, I do agree with you. I, I think Morris is more of an inside guy, right? Not saying he can't stand up in a, in a three-point stance and come off the edge, but I, I do think he's more of a four-eye, right? Line up over a tackle, inside shoulder of a tackle, maybe he puts a little bit of three technique, especially since he's gained that weight, right? I think pre-draft process, he was lifted at like, listed at like, 270 275 yeah but now he's up to like 290 so i i i do think that he's more of an interior guy i think i may have actually mentioned on the video that i, I think mm-hmm. he may end up being on the inside um but yeah just just to get into it you know i i think the the interesting thing with morris is from a size perspective he has what you want right and yes when it comes to his his moves he is a lot of power-based moves right but he's also a big guy right he's 290 yeah but if you really watch his tape and really watch some of the things he does with his hands, and I'll give you an example. Uh, one of the things offensive tackles oftentimes do is they'll get both hands right to the inside of you, right? And as a defensive end or as a defense tackle, you got to learn how to break that contact, right? The general thing that most guys do is they'll try punching it down. They'll try yeah. punching it down. But what Mike Morris does, and you've seen it on tape, right? If you if you really watch all of this guy's games, you'll see him do different things, right? Where he'll grab onto the wrist and he'll fork the hand upwards then on the next next play where a guy has his hands to the inside uh this guy may use both hands to break that contact right he does things a little bit differently 
Um, and it's the little things for me that stick out when it comes to Mike Morris. And when it comes to his pass rushing toolbox, he does have to get better, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's what the general scouts kind of say. But it's not as bad as some people may think. You know, I was, uh, when I was doing part of my process on Morris, one of the things I'll do is I'll search the internet, I'll search Twitter for injuries. And, and, and mm-hmm. you know, maybe this guy hurt his knee or maybe, you know, his production was low against, you know, Team X. And maybe it's because of this reason. Um, one of the things I saw with Mike Morris a lot was people were talking about how he's not a good pass rusher. He doesn't have the hand-to-hand technique, and I disagree with it. I think he knows how to do the little things. And I think it was Bozzy Smith that may have said this comment. Um, but one of the things Michigan does is their, uh, you know, their their defensive line university, right, or their D-line university. And then what he was getting to is the fact that they produce some of the best defense linemen in the league. Part of that goes into coaching. Part of that goes into developing players, right? All of that is true. And Mike Morris is not, you know, he's not an exception. Like, he knows how to win with his hands. And I think on tape, you see that. Hmm. How about as a run defender? Because that was really the glaring issue with the Seahawks defense last year. Uh, it seemed to come together a little bit middle of the season, and then, and then it fell apart again. And teams just ran at will at times against them. Uh, how does he stack up there? Yeah, absolutely. His run defense is his best trait, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, the, the 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 big thing I think is going to be, and, and we'll, we'll watch his preseason tape, bro. As soon as that first preseason game happens, Mike Morris will be one of those guys that we really talk about, right? We're really yeah. breaking down. Is he an edge player where he's lined up on the outside shade of a tackle, or is he going to be on the inside where he may have to take on double teams, where he has to go up against guards, right? Guards are generally stronger than tackles. Um, and I think that's going to impact his, his, you know, is he a good run defender or not, right? So that we're going to have to really see. But in terms of in college, lined up as an edge player, the guy was really good against DeMar, right? He could take on double teams from uh, tackles and tight ends. Obviously, that's not the same thing as being on the inside and taking on double teams from guards and tackles. But you definitely saw that this guy's a good run defender. Um, there was a play specifically, I, I can't remember who what team it was, but... Um, it was a it was a high level tackle. He held his own. It might have been Penn State. Don't quote me on that. But mm-hmm. um, I think it was the Penn State game where he took on a double team by their left tackle and their left guard. And that left tackle was arguably the best tackle coming out next year's class. Right? He's arguably he he would have arguably been the number one pick had he came out this year, which he was eligible to, but he decided to go back yeah. to college. Um, he held his own. Right? He he took on the double team. He controlled that tackle had hands to the inside, and I think that goes a long way. From there, he was able to shed and make the play. And it's those type of things that I've seen on tape that he's able to do, right? He's able to control, and he's strong as hell, long, right? He's pretty athletic for his size, in my opinion. Um, you know, one of the one of the, the funny things is uh, I was looking at this guy's athletic score, right, on um, I think it was his profile or his scouting report from NFL.com. Uh, mm-hmm. And hit, they had him listed as a defensive end, and they had they gave him a low score athletically. And the thing is, is he may be low if it comes to him being a defensive end, but they're not considering if he moves to the inside, right? He's probably one of the most mm. athletic interior yeah. guys, right? So I, I think that's just something to kind of consider with this guy. I remember watching him at the Combine, and and he admittedly didn't have a good Combine, and I specifically remember there were a couple of times when he's doing um, – agility drills over the over the bags on the turf where he, he actually fell down a couple of times it just didn't look good he didn't have a great day but ultimately maybe that helped the Seahawks be 
be able to get him where they got him in the draft because there were some questions about his athletic ability. What is, uh, in your opinion, what's his ceiling? You know, it's, it's hard to say what is this guy's ceiling, but I, I do think he's a guy that could be, um, I think he has the potential to be a Pro Bowl player for sure, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like comp to an actual player in the league, it's kind of hard to say, but I do think that for him, he has the upside to be a very good pro. Um, I think he could be a six to eight sack guy. I think he could be, you know, a top 10 run defender type player right now. Keep in mind, he's not a nose, right? Yeah. He's going to be, you know, he's going to be on the outside guard, outside shape, the guard to the outside of the tight end, right? That's where he'll be playing. So uh, keeping all that in mind, I think he'll have a very, very good career. I think I said a 10-year career. I, I really stick with that. And this guy's going to have a 10-year career. Well, Seahawks got knocked uh, for a long time about their draft classes, um, especially kind of between the Super Bowl run and, say, two years ago, uh, for not getting enough guys that were even worthy of a second contract. It's certainly, uh, the more you look at last year's class and this year's class, it sounds like uh, they're going to have multiple decisions to make when some of these guys get to the oh, yeah. end of their first contract, for sure. They've crushed it. They, they, <laughs> they crushed this draft and last year's draft. Absolutely crushed it. I know you looked at some other guys, too. Uh, I want to flip over and talk offensive line. We've spent so much time um, uh, just kind of glossing over the offensive line this offseason because so much of the focus for Seahawks fans is what are they doing up front on defense? How are they going to fix uh, the run defense? And, and inside linebacker has been a question as well. But I thought one of the biggest factors in uh, some of the struggles they had late last season, especially when Geno Smith didn't play quite as well down the stretch, it was because he was facing interior pressure and it was specifically center and right guard. There were just issues there. And Austin Blythe teams just figured it out and they were stunting more and they were attacking us there. He just couldn't hold up physically. Uh, The Seahawks take two offensive linemen, fourth and fifth round, Anthony Bradford at LSU and Olu Oluwatimi, Mike Morris's uh, teammate at Michigan. I want to start there. What have you seen from Oluwatimi uh, the consensus seems to be great value in the fifth, but there's some disagreement about how strong he is at the point of attack. You, it doesn't take much work to find some scouting reports online where they note that as a weakness, that he just he yep. just hopes to stalemate some of the bigger, stronger players, and that's a win for him because he's not that strong. But yet John Schneider, in the post-draft press conference the night they took him, First thing out of his mouth was how stout he is. What's your take on uh, Oluwatimi's game? Yeah, you know, um, w- when I started my scouting, I- I'm a former offensive lineman, so that's why I started. Right, I started with uh, offensive line, and that's really been my focus. Uh, I can tell you guys right now, Olu Oluwatimi is going to be a pro, a really good pro in the mm-hmm. league. I don't know why he he fell. I I, I think part of why he fell was because of the fact he's a center and centers don't generally get drafted that high. Yeah, true. Plus, you know, it centers aren't guards or tackles, right? Guards and ta- or tackles, you need at least two to start. And then you got to have two quality guys because those guys get hurt so often. You only need one center and most teams already have their starting center. Um, so we don't see centers get drafted that high. And I think this guy, and I, I know the concerns about his strength. He put up 29 bench press reps at the combine. Yeah. Right. And he also played at Michigan. So he didn't play against like average competition. He went up against some of the best players in the country. The thing with Olu Oluwotimi is to me, it's not always about strength. Right. To me, it's about your blocking angles. 
it's about your technique. And uh, I actually did a film breakdown on him on my channel as well. I think this is a starting center. Now, I don't know if he'll start this year. I know the Seahawks picked up Evan Brown mm -hmm. from the, I believe, the Lions. Yeah. And I think he's going to be slotted in to start this season. But don't call me on this. I think Evan Brown's contract is only a one-year contract. It is. Is that correct? Yep. So that, that kind of tells you everything you need to know, right? Yeah. I think Evan Brown's a really good football player. And I was surprised they only give him a one-year contract. But it makes sense, right? They also drafted Oluwatimi. And obviously, the contract came first. But that means they at least had it in their mind that we may draft the center. We mm -hmm. may draft a long-term guy. Uh, I think this is the long-term starter here. I think the strength part of it could be an issue. But, you know, strength is something you can always improve, right? And I, and I always say this about offensive linemen. If a guy in college knows how to snatch and trap, if a guy in college knows how to cut someone off on an outside zone, that's going to translate into the NFL. But if a guy doesn't know how to do that in college, there's a very low chance they're going to just learn it, right? And they're going to just develop it somehow in year one or year two. Like those are things that like you either, because think about college players, right? You've spent five years before college playing offensive line. You spent four years in college being coached by offensive line coaches, if you haven't learned to cut someone off properly, how are you going to just learn that out of nowhere, right? College coaches are good coaches, right? They're not like the, the shitty coaches, excuse my language, but they're not bad coaches, right? Yeah. Um, Olu already knows how to do a lot of those things, and I think strength is the thing you can always improve, right? Hmm. You just got to work out. You just got to put the effort in. So I think he'll get stronger over the next season or two, and I think mentally the guy has it, and I don't – you cannot – you know, never overestimate how much that, how far that goes. Yeah. You know, a, a guy that I've mentioned already is Abraham Lucas, just kind of sticking to the offensive line. You know, I mentioned Abraham Lucas. Um, I don't know if this is some somewhat of a hot take within, you know, the Seahawk nation, but I think Abraham Lucas is going to be the best offensive lineman this year for the Seahawks. And more so mm -hmm. than just being the best offensive lineman for the Seahawks, I think he's going to be a top five right tackle by the time this season ends. Wow. Um, I'm very, very high on Abraham Lucas. I think he has superstar upside. I don't think right? you're alone there. I think, I think probably, I, I feel like about halfway through last season, um, there was a growing sentiment that of those two tackles that he may long-term end up being the better player overall. Yeah. And, and that doesn't mean Charles Cross is going to be bad. Yeah. It just means Abraham Lucas has that upside to be great. Right. That, and you just see it in him, you know, and, and a lot of it is mentally. He's, he's a smart ass football player. I mean, he went very, to Washington State University, so he's destined to be great. That's my alma mater. So I got to say, <laughs> I got to give a go kooks there for Abe Lucas. Um, Absolutely. Let's stay on the offensive line. Uh, Anthony Bradford was a guy that um, I wasn't too familiar with. I looked at him a little bit because he was one of the Seahawks 30 visits uh, before okay. the draft that they brought in. So we knew he was on their radar. Uh, big guy, 335 pounds, not quite as experienced, doesn't have as many uh, snaps, moved around the line, started at tackle, settled settled in at right guard uh, for LSU last year. That's going to be his spot for the Seahawks. Some people think he's raw, might take a year or two. The Seahawks did bring back Phil Haynes uh, on a one-year deal. But Bradford is the guy of all their draft picks this year that the more I watched him after the draft, if you were to ask me who my favorite pick of all of them, it might be this kid. He... He just looks like if he can put it together, some of the technique stuff, that he might have a chance to to really solidify that right guard spot for the Seahawks. How do you like him? Yeah, strong, man. Very, very strong. And you notice that right away on tape. Uh, there was a play where uh, he was going up against uh, Alabama's D-tackle Byron Young, who the Raiders took. I was yeah. actually watching Byron Young. Good player. Um, 
And out of nowhere, I see Anthony Bradford absolutely stonewall this guy. And I said, who the hell is this guy? And that's how I came across Anthony Bradford. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's going to be a very, very good football player as well. Now, keep in mind, he is a guard. I think guards are the easiest position to develop, right? But I do think he has to develop. And I think that's going to be the big thing with him is he has to get uh, he has to get a little bit faster, right? It, just a little bit quicker out of his stance. Okay. It's a little bit more explosive. Angles and those type of things just have to get a little bit better. Right, but I do think that he is the long-term projection at right guard. Right now, I'll be also the first to tell you guys I really like Phil Haynes. I'm a fan of Phil Haynes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think Haynes and Gabe Jackson rotated a little bit last year. Yeah. Um, during a game, I think, or during games, they were rotate these guys back and forth. They did. Yeah. I'm not sure if that was injury related, but was no, it was it was by design. Noticed. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Phil Haynes should be the starter this year. And I think as the season goes on, I think uh, Seahawks fans are going to realize that Phil Haynes maybe even start going forward, right? Like I wouldn't be surprised if Haynes just ends up with that right guard position because he's still a young football player, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe he's still fairly young, right? Um, I like Phil Haynes a lot, right? I don't think Anthony Bradford's going to come in and just replace this guy, right? I think Bradford really okay. has to develop to be able to replace Haynes. Yeah. Um, but just like Damian Lewis, who was also, I believe, at an LSU, mm-hmm. um, he developed into that left guard position, right? And he got better. And I think Lewis is a really good guy. I, I think the Seahawks have one of the best offensive lines in the league. And that was based off of last year, right? I think they were top 10 to 12 offensive line, especially run blocking. Run blocking top tier. Pass pro, obviously, they can get better. But I think this year they will be better, right? You get rid of Austin Blythe. I think he was one of the, the more issues last year, especially in pass pro. Um, I think Evan Brown's going to be better, and then I think over time you're going to just get better and better. I think the I think the Seahawks, part of what makes them great is that their O line I think is going to project or, or develop into like a top five to six unit over the next two years. I think all the pieces are there, and then they're going to have to figure out young. which guys to pay <laughs> because hey, they're, that's, that's, they're that's all going to be the big team, right? I know that's it's a good problem to have. Yeah, that, that's going to be the tough part because you got the receivers you got to pay. You, you got two young running backs that yeah. are going to have to get paid. Uh, you got some defensive talent that'll have to be paid eventually. So that's going to be the hard thing. But with the with the offensive line, obviously you got Bradford. So the hope is that he can replace uh, either Phil Haynes or Damian Lewis, whichever guy. You know, they'll probably keep one of them. The other may end up walking. Um, and then the center, I think, just is going to get replaced by it. Olotimi in the next season or so. It's interesting hearing your take on Phil Haynes. He actually started out focusing on left guard the first couple of seasons in Seattle. And so I wonder, it'll be interesting if he, um, I, I appreciate your thoughts there. If, if he were to have a really outstanding season at right guard, he's just back on a one-year deal himself. Damian Lewis is on expiring his expiring rookie deal. It'd be interesting decision there. Maybe you keep Phil Haynes and move him back to the left side if they feel like Bradford's ready to go. I want to get your thoughts on, we talked a little bit before we hit record. Um, I've been asked a lot about the undrafted guys and I typically defer because I just haven't seen them that much. And some of those guys, it's harder to find tape on them. uh, And a lot of them aren't invited to the combine either. So you don't see testing scores. There was a lot of focus up front on all of the uh, defensive linemen the Seahawks signed in undrafted free agency. And they had a couple guys fall through as well that were reported as signing and ended up not signing. Uh, and then Robert Cooper was a guy that a lot of people thought had a shot to make the the roster. I don't know if an injury was involved. We haven't heard anything about that, but they released him last year or last week, the nose tackle out of Florida State. But Jonah Tavai is a guy that a lot of fans are excited about. It's easy to see why. Out of San Diego State, experienced player. 
44 games in his four seasons at San Diego State. One of those rare players that played for one school for all four years, never went into yep. the transfer portal. Um, remarkably productive. 148 total tackles, 25 sacks, 37 tackles for loss. But the thing about Tavine, the reason he went undrafted, very uh, short. Yeah. Uh, it really lacks length at that interior defensive line position. Listed at six foot two ninety, most people tend to think he's closer to five ten or five eleven. Uh, arms barely over thirty inches. How does a guy, even though it's San Diego State, not not the highest level of competition, but we're not talking about the Big Sky Conference here either. Yeah. How does a guy? How does he get that done? How is he accomplishing uh, uh, what he accomplished as a pass rusher? How is he so productive? Yeah, you know it's interesting because. You know, he isn't playing Alabama and Georgia. That is true. That is fact. Um, but he does still play teams like Arizona. He plays teams like Fresno State. And these teams have produced NFL offensive linemen, right? Yeah. So these teams aren't absolutely terrible. Utah, pretty good offensive line. Um, but it's crazy because I think he went undrafted because he is 5'10", right? That That's kind of what he was listed as. I think the Seahawks have him listed at 5'10", as well. Um, if there's one position where your height may not matter a whole lot, I would argue it could be defensive tackle, right? You can make that argument. Where I mean, a, Kalijah Kansi went the in the first round. He's not that much longer. Exactly. You know, and, and I get it, you know, like it could be in the difference of one inch, but it's like that much, right? It's such right. a small amount. But you know, I guess it matters to teams. I don't know. I, I think these molds of the past would you know are gonna kind of or, or this thought process that you gotta you know, I remember we used to draft like six, 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 seven quarterbacks, and that's it. And the Russell Wilsons would never get that opportunity, yeah. right? The Bryce Youngs of the world will never get that opportunity because they weren't six five or taller, or whatever, right? right? And that's that's gone, right? I think with D tackle, it's going to be the same kind of thing where your height may not matter as much, right? Because Kalijah Kansi went what pick nineteen, I believe, or yeah. sometime mid to you know. Uh, first round so there's gonna be a lot of teams who probably didn't even have him on the board because of his height right and Kalijah Kansi could be arguably the best defense lineman in this class right it's, it's possible mm-hmm. right um I think I think Tavai is one of those interesting players as well because I think this is really gonna set that you know does height really matter for D tackles because if this guy has a successful career you may look and say you know that's thrown out the window and, and I say all that because this guy had 63 total pressures uh, I think that was the most in college last season. I don't think anyone had more total pressures. Uh, that makes up 10 sacks, 11 quarterback hits, and 42 quarterback pressures. Um, the guy dominated last year, right? And I get it. He isn't in the SEC. He isn't in the, you know, the, he isn't in one of those top-tier conferences. But his tape also backs up a pretty solid football player. Now, I'll be the first to tell you guys, I didn't have a whole lot of tape of him available. I only had two games that I watched. Um, one was uh, UNLV, the other was Fresno State. Um, he looked good, right? He looked really, really good. Now, he isn't the most explosive player in terms of getting out of his stance, but the thing he has, and I'll compare it to Max Crosby, although I probably shouldn't, <laughs> but he has great hand-to-hand pass rush technique. Yeah. Great pass rush technique. He has moves, right, in his toolbox. And I think that's why he got after the quarterback so often, right, is because he has that ability that, you know, when a guard – hits him or a tackle hits him he has that ability to throw a guy to the side he has that ability to swat someone's hands down to rip past the guy and get pressure to a quarterback like he has that ability and 
over the last two years, he's uh, he's gotten more snaps, right? His first two years, he didn't, you know, had like 400 total snaps combined. Yeah. But over the last two years, he had over 1,300 snaps. And he's dominated. 63 total pressures this year, 57 the year before, 10 sacks this year, 8 the year before. The guy's dominated, right? Again, the level of competition is going to be a big part of, you know, how teams value him. But I think this this guy has arguably the most upside among most UDFAs around the league. Well, and that's the thing that's exciting. You touched on it. it. A lot of times you'll see defensive linemen flash and they'll have a great year. And then teams focus more on them and, and kind of yeah. figure them out and, and learn how to game plan and take them out. His, his last two seasons there as a full-time player, remarkably consistent and productive both years. Yeah. Um, he'll be fun to watch. Just, I would imagine like at that size in the Seahawks scheme, uh, Probably at best a rotational player, but a guy that could be really fun to watch, especially on obvious passing downs. Yeah, I mean rotational players aren't aren't a bad thing, you know, especially no. if they're they they're free basically. Right? They're they're UDFA, yeah, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> you got to save like uh, you got to save a little bit of money when you're paying forty million dollars to to uh, safeties on your absolutely. on your roster, which the Seahawks are absolutely absolutely. Well, listen, Sanjeet, I really appreciate your time. I love your insight. Um, thanks for coming on the show. And uh, um, definitely we'll have you back on again. Let's uh, When we get into preseason, we see some of these draft picks get out and get reps against yep. other NFL teams. Uh, let's get back together and talk about some of your thoughts on what you're seeing on the field. Now. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I'm 100% down with that, and I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Tell people where they can find you on Twitter and on YouTube. Yeah, if you go to YouTube and you put in the Football Scout, um, you can find my uh, channel. I have a playlist of Seahawks videos, so you guys can go through that. Pretty much since the time Abraham Lucas was drafted, that was the first video I think I did for the Seahawks. Um, and then from there, I, I probably have at least 10 videos, if not more, right, of different players, uh, offensive line, defensive line, stuff like that. And we'll continue following the Seahawks over the course of this season. Outstanding work. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Uh, follow him on YouTube. Subscribe to him. Subscribe to this channel. Really appreciate the support lately. Uh, things are really growing, and the best way you can support the channel is to hit that like button and subscribe, and also follow me on Twitter, at uh, Seahawks Forever. Uh, until next time, I'm Dan. Thanks for joining me. We'll talk to you soon.